Well, good morning. We are glad you are here this morning. Uh, we have the privilege of having uh, Mr. Luke Hadfield. Come on up here, brother. Um, he's going to come up and share the word with us. But before uh, we thought we'd have him share the word, um, many of you, that's your cheek. Remember I told you about oh, that? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you better, do you need to fix it? Okay, me? hold on one you second. Just fix me here. Is that good? Yep, you no, look, you look good. Oh, thank you. You, you look thank good. You. All okay. handsome. Look at that. He, yeah, looks, it looks perfect on you now. Um, but this is Luke Hadfield, and uh, he's a, one of our missionaries uh, that we support. And so we thought, um, you know, you've been here for a while. And, uh, in fact, I, I mentioned this last night. Like, he's, he's been a part of our church over the years, and I'm the new kid on the block compared to him. <laughs> And, uh, and so, but we just want to ask a couple questions. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family and then your connection to Open Door. Yes. There's my lovely family. And of course, the dog gets her own picture. Um, so that's Selah on the right. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. Okay. And uh, my wife, Michaela, we have been married 21 years. And then my son, Traeger, is a senior this year. And then my daughter, Adelie, is a sophomore. And then there's that other guy on the, on the other side of the picture. So yeah, that's our, uh, that's our family. Cool. And uh, tell us a little bit about the ministry you're a part of, where you're at, and what is your role there? Yeah, so uh, I work for an organization called Campus Collective Christian Ministries. Uh, some of you may have heard His House. We changed our name uh, just to be a little more clear on some of our campuses about who we were. Some people thought we were a fraternity, so, you know, everybody's welcome. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I have been at Ripon College serving with Campus Collective for 12 years. I got to plant the ministry at Ripon College, um, and so this is starting my 12th year. And we're a really small local to Wisconsin ministry. We have campus ministries at UW Oshkosh, where we started, and then UW Madison and Ripon. Um, and so we're definitely praying always for more workers for the harvest, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been an awesome joy to get to serve at Ripon College. So campus ministry, like what does the, the day in, day out life look like in campus ministry? And like what does a, an event look like that you might help lead? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so campus ministry is uh, a, lot of, a lot of different things. There's kind of a lot of different settings. Um, one of my favorite things to do is meet one-on-one. -on -one. And so I have about 14 uh, guys that I meet weekly with one-on-one, -on -one, which is a little more than normal, so I'm feeling very full this year, but that is an awesome privilege. And then we also do like small group uh, meetings, and then we have a large group weekly meeting. Uh, we also do special events throughout the year, so like at the end of both semesters, we do a build your own care package that we co-sponsor with lots of other clubs, and students can come and make their own care package for finals week. Uh, another cool thing that we're doing this coming spring break is we're taking 15 students uh, to Spain, and we're going to be meeting up with another campus ministry there, and it'll be a chance for students to see Christianity in another culture. And so that's, uh, we took that same trip last year, and for the students, it's completely free because the school pays for it out of a fund that they have. So pretty amazing opportunity. That is pretty cool. Um, so one more question I have for you. What is one way we as a church can be praying for you as you are ministering up at Ripon? Yeah, so I think um, really the, the biggest thing right now is just that God would continue to sustain us. Like I said, it's been a busy, a busy year this year, and so I feel full. Um, and so like some of that margin that you normally have is not quite there. So just that God would help me to 
pay attention to the details and still take care of the most important things um, as, as we continue to, to minister. But it has been an amazing year. Um, and, and as I said, we, would really, we could really use your prayers for our ministry too, that God would provide in particular more female campus ministers. I am blessed to have the only female campus minister on staff at Ripon College. And so we need more for our other campuses in particular. So, yeah. So will you pray with me as I'm praying for Luke? We're going to just lift him up before the Lord this morning. Pray that uh, he has margin in the ministry up at Ripon, um, that the Lord would just multiply the, the seeds and the maturity, that growth through the ministry there. And also, I uh, just want to invite you, just pray for him as he brings the word to us this morning. Um, it's a blessing for us as pastoral staff to have him come and step into the pulpit for us. And so just pray that the Lord will open your hearts, um, open your hearts to the word, and that you will be sensitive to how, what God shows you through the word this morning. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, this morning we just come before you, and I thank you for my brother Luke. Lord, I thank you um, just for the ministry up at Ripon. And Lord, I thank you that um, he does have um, one of the only female workers working with him um, among all the ministries of this ministry, Lord. But I, I, I pray for more women to help in the ministry there, that, um, that they will have more women come in and grow in the ministry and they'll be able to reach um, ladies with the good news of Jesus and build them up. And Lord, I pray that, that men will continue to step up and serve in the ministry and then grow in the ministry and that through all of it, you will multiply the harvest um, of the seeds that are planted. Lord, I pray for margin uh, for Luke as, uh, Lord, it just, it's been a busy season. And uh, Lord, I pray that you will um, let him say yes to things he needs to say yes to and know he says the things he needs to, say, needs to say no to. But through it all, Lord, you will give him the strength, the wisdom, and um, the heart to really just be faithful to you above all else. Uh, Lord, this morning I ask that you just give him the words to say. Um, Lord, let us remember the things you want us to remember. Let us forget the things you want us to forget. But Lord, I pray that you will just use him as he shares the word with us this morning. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, he's going to be looking at Psalm 119, and so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but if you want, there's also Bibles in front of you, page 495. Thanks. <clears throat> Thank you, Pastor Nate. So uh, you can tell I'm, uh, I'm really not under the weather. It's only my voice that is down, so I feel fine, um, sound way worse than I feel, um, so just bear with me a little bit this morning. Um, but uh, have, have any of you guys ever bought anything on Amazon? Okay, I figured. Um, and uh, have you ever had a fun moment where you just go and look at the reviews for products? It's kind of funny. So here's, here's some reviews I saw recently for a product. Close to perfect. Great. Thumbs up. Five stars. Very God. Now, that was a typo. But very God. I, I had to quote it exactly. So uh, those are real reviews for a product. And I'm curious if you can guess what this close to perfect product, 42 people took the time to write a five-star review of. 1,385 people out of 1,574 rated it five stars. And it had an overall rating of 4.8. That's pretty hard to achieve on Amazon, so... Any, uh, any guesses? That's right. 
Jiffy peanut butter to go cups. That's what people are saying is close to perfect on Amazon. Amen. Did I, I got an A. Oh, so sad. Okay, I thought I heard. It was an amen. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought I heard. Uh, so we all have things that we're big fans of, things we get excited about, things that we actually become salespeople for, where we tell our friends, you need to try this. You need to see this. We had a great experience, and we want to tell somebody else about it. My boss says that good news shares easy. And I, I agree. We naturally tell other people about things that we love. So when was the last time that you told someone about God's word? This morning, that's, that's what I want to talk about. And I, I want to talk about it from the longest chapter in the Bible, so I hope none of you made lunch plans. Uh, <laughs> but... I would love for you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 119, and while you turn there, let me tell you where we're going this morning. I want us to learn together from Psalm 119 three ways that we are called to respond to God's Word through our posture, our prayers, and our practice. Before we dive into Psalm 119, I just want to pray, and these these prayers that I'm going to say all come from Psalm 119. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would incline our hearts to your word. Open our eyes that we might behold wonderful truths from your law. Give us life according to your truth. Holy Spirit, strengthen us. Lead us. Teach us. God, let our ways be steadfast in your statutes. In Jesus, the Word made flesh's mighty name. Amen. All right, let me give you a little bit of a background information on Psalm 119. First, we don't know who the human author of Psalm 119 was, and we don't know exactly when it was written. What is cool about this psalm is that it's an acrostic poem, which means there's, there's 22 stanzas, and there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so every verse in each stanza starts with that stanza's letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So whoever wrote this was super, super intentional. And the whole psalm is all about praising God's word and how great God's word was. This was good news that the psalmist wanted to share with us. And a couple of ways, one of the best ways that you can pick up what any place in the Bible is about is looking for what's repeated. And so in this psalm, Lord, and when you see Lord in all capital letters like that in your Bible, it's the covenant name of God, Yahweh, his personal name. And so that appears 23 times. The psalmist refers to God as Lord. But then you or your appears 251 times. And so God is referenced at least 274 times in 176 verses. And then... If we look at the psalmist himself, I, he says I 138 times, me 63 times, servant 13 times. So he is talking to God and talking in the first person a lot, 214 times at least. And then he uses all sorts of different words to describe God's word. He uses the word, 
He uses commandments, laws, testimonies, statutes, precepts, rules, your promise. And so just adding those references up 192 times. So I think it's safe to conclude that this psalm is about the relationship between God, the psalmist, and God's word. And those things all work together in this psalm. And so with this background information about Psalm 119, there is one other aspect about God's word that we need to talk about before we get into our posture, our prayers, and our practice, and that is its presence, as in, is God's word present in your life? Because if God's word is not present in your life, your posture is probably not what you might claim it to be towards God's word, and your prayers and practice probably won't be as present as you might want them to be as well. So I want to start out with a series of questions this morning, and I would actually encourage you to truly try to answer in your own mind, and even maybe write down your answers. Uh, for reference, if you sleep eight hours a day, there's 112 hours in a week. So first question, how many hours per week do you read or listen to God's word? Try to, try to think of an answer. How many hours per week do you read or listen to or watch anything else, including emails and your phone? How many hours per week do you spend talking about God's word? And how many hours per week do you talk about anything else? How many hours per week do you think about God's word? And how many hours per week do you think about anything else? And the last question, if someone were to follow you around for a week, be that fly on the wall that we talk about, how important would they conclude that God's word is to you? If you're anything like me, I imagine that those questions may have stirred up possibly feelings of guilt or inadequacy or regret. What I don't want anyone to conclude here this morning is that if you watch, read, listen to, talk, or think about anything else other than God's word, that you're sinning or failing. Or even if you think about or do all those things more than God's word, that you're automatically sinning or failing. God does not expect us to do that 100% of the time. It's, it's not possible. And even Jesus didn't do that, okay? God designed our human lives to be multifaceted, to involve lots of different things. And he doesn't want us to just read and talk about and think about his word. He wants us to obey his word, to live it out. So don't let Satan accuse you through those questions. But if God is convicting you through those questions and inviting you into more time with him and his word, then let that have its good effect. It's worth noting that we can't live out what we don't know. And we won't live out what we don't value. It's also important to remember the Geigo principle. Maybe some of you have heard of this. Garbage in, garbage out. And so, if you constantly take in garbage, 
the most likely thing to come out of your life is garbage. If God's word is not present in your life or not present at the level that you want it to be, that you desire it to be, only you can change that. He's given it to you. God sent you the text message. Only you can open it. But as I said, we won't live out what we don't value. And that brings us to our posture towards God's word. So here are two more questions for you to consider. What are two or three ways that you use God's word in your everyday life? And then what are two or three emotions that you feel about God's word? How do you feel about it? And what I mean by posture is our attitude. Pastor, author, theologian, and former president of Dallas Theological Seminary, Chuck Swindoll, said this, the longer I live, the more I realize the importance of choosing the right attitude in life. Attitude is more important than facts. It is more important than your past, more important than your education or your financial situation, more important than your circumstances, your successes or your failures, more important than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than your appearance, your giftedness or your skills. It will make or break a company. It will cause a church to soar or to sink. It will make the difference between a happy home or a miserable home. You have a choice each day regarding the attitude you will embrace. And he closes by saying, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. In my life, I have found that to be true. And as, and as I observe other people in ministry and in different settings, I really believe that that is true. So what is your attitude, your posture toward God's word? Let's listen to how the psalmist describes it. So if you want to look at verses 10 through 16, 10 through 16, that's the second stanza. stanza he says, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Notice the psalmist's posture is a full body experience. His heart seeks, his lips declare, his eyes are fixed, and his mind meditates and does not forget God's word. And then I also want you to take note of that word delight. It appears two times this is a heart, a soul, a desire word. The word delight is used 10 times in this psalm. Love is used 19 times. Long or longing, seven times. And the word praise in relation to God and his word is used six more times. Some other ways that the psalmist talks about his posture toward God's word include verse 20. 
my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Now, if any of you guys have ever been children or had children, I'm just curious how many times have your kids said, I long for your rules. (laughs) Not my kids, (laughs) and I didn't. But that's how the psalmist feels about God's rules. He longs for them. Verse 31, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Verse 43, my hope is in your rules. Verse 52, when I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Verses 53 and 54, hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. 66, I believe in your commandments. Do you believe in God's commandments? Do you believe that he is for you, that he has good for you in his commandments? Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 136, my eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Verse 161, my heart stands in awe of your words. 162, 163, and 164, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous rules. So what is your posture? What is your attitude toward God's word? So let's move on to consider in Psalm 119 our prayers. One of the things that uh, really surprised me as I studied Psalm 119 is how many requests the psalmist actually makes of God. Over 60 times, so that's over a third of the verses, have some sort of request of God. And that just, that just kind of caught me off guard because I just thought this was a psalm kind of praising God's word and talking about the value of it. But the psalmist is constantly asking for God. And, and as I thought about this, I think there's at least four reasons why in a psalm all about God's word, there would also be prayers. Because God's word teaches us who we are praying to. God's word also teaches us how to pray in so many ways. And just a couple I thought of are by example. So I highly recommend to you, if you're looking for an encouraging way to read God's word and to get into it a little more, just Google prayers in scripture. There are so many examples of people who are following God from Old Testament to New Testament and how they prayed to God. It's a really encouraging thing. And then also... By teaching us his promises, we can know what we can and cannot depend on when we pray. Let me me give you an example of this. Maybe you've heard a lot of people say, like I have, God will never give us more than we can handle. That sounds really nice. Unfortunately, God never said that. God never promises not to give us more than we can handle. So if you think 
that God promises that, it's either going to make you live your life in shame because you're always feeling like you have more than you can handle, or denial (laughs) and not really look life in the face and look our own inadequacies sometimes in the face. But God doesn't want us to live in denial or shame. That wasn't a promise he made. God does promise to never leave or forsake those who are his children. He tells those who trust in Jesus that the Holy Spirit in them is greater than Satan. Jesus says to take heart because he has overcome the world. We are promised love and joy and peace and all the other fruit of the Spirit. We're promised that as we abide, Jesus will produce fruit in our lives. God promises so many amazing things in his word, but we need to know his word so that we know what he does promise and we can count on and what he does not promise. So may we hope fully in God's promises. May we trust them, but may we not bank on things he never said. A third reason that I think there's so many prayers in this psalm is because God's word is closely tied to prayer because his word teaches us what we should be praying for, what we should be praying about. And finally, God's word teaches us, as Sid reminded us through communion this morning, that we need him. It it tells us why we need to pray, because we need him. We need help. Listen to some of the prayers of the psalmist. Back in verse 5, he says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Verse 28, he says, My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Are any of you sad or grieving? God wants us to find comfort and strength in his word. No matter how we're feeling, we can find that in God's word. Verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. There are things that God calls us to put off in our lives, to stop looking at, stop thinking about, stop listening to. But for all of those things that God says, Don't do that. Don't hurt yourself that way. He also has something that he wants us to put on, something better, something that leads to life. And so when he tells you not to do something, you can also ask, what is he calling you into? Verse 80, may my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. Verse 94, I am yours. Save me for I have sought your precepts. Verse 117, hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. Verse 132, turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. Verse 154, plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. And then the last two verses of the psalm, 175 and 176, let my soul live and praise you 
and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. And I just want to encourage us that all of these prayers are fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus perfectly kept and fulfilled all of God's law. He rescued us from sin and death and hell by his perfect life, his atoning death on the cross, and his victorious resurrection. He is the good shepherd who sought us when we had gone astray like sheep. When we were his enemies, the Bible says, Christ died for us. So praise the Lord that in all of the things in this law, we see them fulfilled in Jesus. The last thing I want to consider from Psalm 119 is our practice. In other words, how does God teach us his way to live, which is always best from Psalm 119? We see this in in the verbs of the psalmist. And there are so many different practices we could talk about, but I I just want to mention two. And so the first practice in regard to God's word is to think about it, to keep it on our minds, meditate on it, ruminate, marinate, let it simmer. You might even say mullet. All right, all right. Um, But here's a few ways that the psalmist puts it. Verse 48, I will meditate on your statutes. You know, Meditation has kind of come back into popularity recently, but there's a difference between Christian meditation and Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation teaches you to empty your mind, but that's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to fill our mind with him, with his truth, and the best way to do that is through his word. And so he wants us to meditate on his word. Verse 61, though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. Verse 83, for I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, (laughs) yet I have not forgotten your statutes. You ever feel old and worn out and shriveled up? (laughs) Like my vocal cords? (laughs) Like sometimes even just our souls can feel that way from life? What the psalmist says, his answer is not comfort food or Netflix. It's not forgetting God's laws, God's statutes. Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts. Why? For by them you have given me life. In verse 148, my eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. The second practice that I want to draw our attention to is really simple to say, but really hard to do sometimes, and that is obedience. Some form of the word keep, keep, kept, keeping, occurs 30 times in this psalm. The most important way for us to practice God's word is obedience. But before we hear from the psalmist, I just want to make two really critical points about obedience. First, we do what we actually believe. 
So you, you can learn from your actions sometimes what you actually believe. Not what you say you believe or you think you believe, what you actually believe. So if you don't trust God, you probably won't obey him. Which is closely related to point number two. We can only truly obey God if we are his children by his grace, through faith, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We do not ever obey God in order to be saved. We obey God because he has saved us. It's his work in us and through us to save us and to help us obey him. With that in mind, here's a few of the great verses in this psalm about obedience. Verse 1, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. It's a blessing. It's, it's not a curse to obey God. It's a blessing. Verse 44, I will keep your law continually forever and ever. Is that your desire? Verse 45, here's, here's the result. And I will walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. Verses 56 and 57, this blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your word. Notice how closely tied the Lord is to his word. If you want the Lord as your portion, then obey him, follow him. And verses 111 and 112 your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Well, here's a one-line summary of today's message from Psalm 119. God's word. Read it, love it, pray it, yes, mull it, and obey it. As we close today, I just want to pray the last stanza of, of the psalm over us. So would you pray with me? Let our cry come to you, O Lord. Yahweh, give us understanding according to your word. Let our plea come before you. Deliver us according to your word. Let our lips pour forth praise for you Teach us your statutes. Let our tongues sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help us, and let us choose your precepts. May we long for your salvation, O Lord, and make your law our delight. Let our souls live and praise you, and let your rules help us. We have gone astray like lost sheep, Seek your servants and help us not to forget your commandments. Thank you, God, for your word. And most of all, for the word made flesh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.